Hey guys, it is the week of New Year's Eve and we're recording this on Tuesday, but by the time you guys hear it, it's going to be a whole new year. Isn't that exciting? It's going to be 2021. It's going to be weird. I don't write anymore, so I won't have to like make the mistake of writing the wrong year, but I'll practice anyway. I all die before the clock strikes midnight. Stop, Abby. Knock on some fucking wood. You have the worst <laughs> jinx in the world. Or I'll just like lose my hands in an accident and I won't get to Abby. Work. Or type. And then you'll get to do all the editing. Yay. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, welcome back, guys. It's Gimme the Creeps here. And today is Daniela's turn. It's finally my turn again. Yep. So today I'm going to do a serial killer. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I'm doing the Coast to Coast Killer, a.k.a. Tommy Lynn Sells. What? Oh, my gosh. I don't know this one. I haven't heard anyone do this one, so this is going to be my first time. And there is a small tie to... Me in this story. No. Oh well, gosh. yeah. I mean, a lot of people I know are connected to this, so that's why. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, Cells and his twin sister, Tammy Jean, were born on June 28th, 1964, in Oakland, California. His mother, Nina Cells, was a single mother with three other children when the twins were born. So the family moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and when the twins were 18 months old, they contracted meningitis, which killed Tammy Jean. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So shortly after his recuperation, like, he got it, too, and then he um, survived. He was sent to live with his Aunt Bonnie in Holcomb, Missouri. When he was five years old, he was returned to his mother after she found out his aunt wanted to adopt him. And I want to say, like, he had, like, a good life with his aunt, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Hmm. So throughout his early childhood years, Sells was left mostly to fend for himself. He rarely attended school, and by age seven, he was drinking alcohol. Around this time, Sells began hanging around with a man from a nearby town. The man showed him a lot of attention in the form of gifts and frequent outings. On several occasions, Sells spent the night at the man's house. He claimed that the man would molest him with the consent of his mother. No. Yes. So Sells stated that this abuse affected him greatly and he would relive his experiences while committing his crimes. So from ages 10 to 13, Sells showed a knack for staying in trouble. By 10, he had stopped attending school, preferring to smoke pot and drink alcohol. When he was 13, he climbed naked into his grandmother's bed. Like, he just was like, scoot on over, Grandma. Here I come. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. And so she freaked out. And um, the mom ended up, she, like, got the other kids. And they. she packed up the house. And she left, not telling Cells that she had gone. Like, he, he came back. Yeah, he came back. And there was nobody nothing yeah 
So after that, he was like mad all the time. Like, and he's a teenager, so of course he's even more angsty and shit because all this, all these things are happening. Mm-hmm. So the first incident that he had was um, his first female victim, and he pistol whipped her until she was unconscious. But she survived. So with no home and no family, Sells began drifting from town to town, picking up odd jobs and stealing what he needed. Sells later claimed he committed his first murder at age 16 after breaking into a home and killing a man inside who was performing oral sex on a young boy. (gasps) Yeah. But there was never any proof to back up his claim. Sells also claimed to have shot and killed a man named John Cade Sr. in July 1979 after Cade caught him burglarizing his home. In May 1981, Sells went to Little Rock, Arkansas and moved back in with his family. The reunion was short-lived, though. His mother told him to leave after he attempted to have sex with her while she was taking a shower. Jesus, how old is he? He was... I want to say... Like 17, 18. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he goes back to the streets and he began robbing, killing, working as a carnival rustabout, and hopping trains between cities. And he later confessed to killing two people in Arkansas before heading to St. Louis in 1983. Only one of the murders, that of Hal Atkins, was confirmed. Wow. In May 1984, Sells was convicted of car theft and given a two-year prison sentence. He was released the following February, but failed to follow the terms of his probation. So while in Missouri, Sells started working at a county fair in Forsyth, Forsyth, I'm not sure, uh, where he met Ina Court. She was 35 and her son. Sells later admitted to killing them. According to Sells, Ina invited him back to her house, but when he caught her going through his knapsack, he beat her to death with a baseball bat. Oh, my God. He then did the same to the only witness of the crime, her four-year-old son, Rory. Oh, man. And their bodies were found three days later. Awful. Mm-hmm. By September 1984, Sells was back in jail for drunk driving After crashing his car, he stayed in jail until May 16, 1986. Back in St. Louis, Sells claimed he shot a stranger in self-defense. He then headed to Aransas Pass, Texas, where he was hospitalized for an overdose of heroin. And once he was out of the hospital, he stole a car and headed to Fremont, California. While in Fremont... Investigators believed he was responsible for the death of Jennifer Dewey, 20, who was shot. They also believed he murdered Michelle Xavier, 19, who was found with her throat slit. In October 1987, Sells was living in Winnemucca, Nevada. I'm honestly not sure if I'm saying these names right, but I'm going to just go with it. Mm-hmm. He was living with 20-year-old Stephanie Strau. Sells confessed to drugging Strau with LSD, then strangling her and disposing of her body by weighing her feet with concrete and putting her into a hot spring in the desert. Oh my God. 
but this crime was never confirmed. So he left Nevada on November 3rd and headed east. In October 1987, he confessed to murdering Suzanne Korgs, 27, in Amherst, New York. Keith Darden, I think it's Darden or Dardeen. It might be Dardeen. Uh, was the next victim known who tried to befriend Sells. He spotted Sells hitchhiking in Ena, Illinois, and offered him a hot meal at his home. That's so sad. I know. Just being nice. Yes. You know what? And my uncle, I kind of want to bring this up to him now, but my uncle's always like, anytime he sees a homeless person on the side of the road, he gives them money, but only because he thinks that they're, they could be Jesus in disguise or God in disguise. Well, that's reason enough. And it never we all make fun of him because we're he thinks that that's what's gonna get him into heaven. It's and a it test. Just, yeah. It the, just day that, the day he doesn't have any cash on him. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And I'm just like, Sorry. oh my god. But now I want to tell him, like, you know, yeah, this could happen. I don't think he'd it be can't. that nice though. He would just be like, "Here's some money, go away." Right. Get in the car. Yeah. Oh my god. So in return, Sells shot Dardine, then mutilated his penis. Jesus. Next, he murdered Dardine's three-year-old son, Pete, by bludgeoning him with a hammer. He then turned his rage on Dardine's pregnant wife, Elaine, whom he attempted to rape. And she was like eight months pregnant, I think. Uh, So when he attacked her, this caused her to go into labor, and she gave birth to a little girl. But then Cells beat both of them with that bat. He beat them to death. Oh my god! This is hor- this is a horrible story. It gets worse. <laughs> so he oh then inserted the bat into Elaine's vagina, tucked the children and the mother into bed, and left. Oh my god! Yeah. So that crime actually went unsolved for 12 years until he ultimately got caught at the very end and he confessed to that murder or those murders. Yeah. So in 2002, crime writer Diane Fanning began began corresponding with Sells as he awaited execution in Texas. In one of his letters to Fanning, Sells confessed to the murder of 10-year-old Joel Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. I should know how to say this. This is... Uh, one of the guys from NSYNC, this is his last name. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Joel's mother, Julie Ray Harper, had been found guilty of his murder and was in prison. So he, everyone thought the mom killed him, but it was yep. Tommy Lynn Sells that killed the little boy. And she yep. went to fucking jail for it. Hmm, sounds familiar. What do you mean? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> He killed her, goddammit. He killed her. Matt Peterson did not kill Lazy Peterson. He killed her. Okay, at the very least, I mean, at the very least, he got somebody. Okay, I already said this in the last episode. I know, I won't. I can't let it go. Okay, go on. So she, they thought she killed her own son, but then she didn't when he confessed. Yes. So Sells told Fanning in a later interview that Harper had been rude to him at a convenience store. So to get mm-hmm. back at her, he followed her herm- home. <laughs> <laughs> followed her herm. <laughs> oh my god, that was actually really fucking funny. <laughs> okay, so 
To get back at her, he followed her home and murdered her son. Jeez. How old was her son? He was young, right? He was uh, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes me think of that new movie that came out, Unhinged. Have you seen it? Or have you seen <gasps> right. No, I haven't. I haven't. That's Gerard Butler too, right? Uh, n- no. No, it's not. It's um, the other guy. Oh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford? No, it's not, you silly weasel. Who is it's the it? other guy. The other chubby older man. Not Hold chubby, on. but like husky built. Because I just saw that movie Greenland. Um, oh, it's. It's Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. You said Harrison Ford. You were further know. away than I was. I don't know why I thought of that. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, the road rage shit, I never feed yes. into that because you never know when somebody's going to follow your ass home. Dude, people are fucking nuts. My poor mom, she, I don't know what possessed her to watch that movie, but she watched it. She didn't even get halfway through. She was like, I could not stand the anxiety. Yeah. Oh it God. was really it legit. Like I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, it. well, I'm not watching it." <laughs> yeah, no. I could barely get through 47 meters down. I haven't finished that. I need to. I liked it, oh, but yeah, dude. you're right. The anxiety. Yeah. Like, what to do? What do we do? What do we yes. do? Oh. That's what Greenland was like. Oh my God. And I. Okay, we okay, so we saw it for Christmas. Like we streamed it, and it was like a little Christmas like movie that we were gonna watch all together. And then I already knew I was like, I need to be trying to not remember this movie afterwards because I have post apocalyptic or like natural disaster dreams all the time oh, where I don't know exactly what's happening, but I just know that we need to get our stuff and get out. Mm-hmm. And like I hate that feeling. So like too. seeing that movie, mm-hmm. that whole movie was that. Like they don't show the event till the very end of the movie, pretty much. So. It's constantly like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm yep. like, <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of good Samaritans in that movie too. So it's reminding me of what you just talked about right now. Yeah, but there's, I don't know. I was just surprised because usually in movies, they don't really show that. Like if you well, need a ride or something, people don't. I feel like over. genuinely people, or at least maybe it's just in Texas. I feel like they mm-hmm. wouldn't do that. Like they wouldn't be good Samaritans if the world was ending. Yeah, exactly. That's why the movie felt it felt real, but then it also didn't. When I was seeing how many nice people there were, I'm like, there couldn't possibly be that many. Yeah, nice people. I really don't think so. Mm-mm. Just like in, <laughs> like in the movies, whenever they have like everyone's safe in a house, and then someone tries, someone else like needs help, and they try to get into the house, and it's like a unanimous vote of who lets them in or whatever. Um, don't let them in. Yeah, yeah, it's like a weird. Don't trust anybody. Take care of your family. Yes, I hate Not those like, situations. Me too, because you'd have to freaking decide. And if you let in the wrong person, then you're all fucking screwed. And it was all right. your fault for being nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how. And I would, those how situations I would. in the movies are supposed to make you want to let them in, but I would have been like, "Fuck no, you're not letting these people in. I don't give a flying fuck if they're gonna die. Like, or if they're Dude. like, I'm not exactly. gonna die." Ah, uh, yep. Risking everybody just for one person. Yeah. That's that. What's that saying? That's like for the good of the. For the good for of the, the collective. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, something like that. Yeah. For the greater good. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, for the greater. <laughs> for the good of the greater. Uh, I don't remember. But it's like if it does more good for more people, then you should do it. But if right. it 
screws over a few people it's like okay but um we're screwing over a few people so and that is exactly what is happening now oh my god that's why i would die yeah i I was about to say i probably wouldn't have made it to the phase where i'm in a house (laughs) safe i would have died like the first round oh man Mm -mm. anyway so uh go on okay so Followed her home. The confession, along with Fanning's testimony at a prison review board and help with the Innocence Project, resulted in a new trial for Harper that ended in acquittal. So she was released and everything was fine. Or, well, I guess everything was as good as it could get. Everything was fine. (laughs) Her son was alive again. Oh, sorry. I'll have to take that out. Oh, God. Everything was back to normal. Everything was back to normal. They pressed the reset button and everyone was happy. It was only, he's he's 10 again, but she gets another. Yep. They drag. respawned. Everyone respawned. <laughs> like a video game? Yeah. Oh, Dude, you, oh my God. I just had like a slight epiphany. What if when you die, I mean, it's like a uh, reincarnation, but whenever you die, like you open your eyes and you're like, you've respawned in another body. And it's start all over again. Oh, well, just never ending. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I, w- I open my eyes and I'm like, no, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Close them again. <laughs> Disappear into the abyss. No, not this place. Yeah, exactly. Oh, damn it. Okay. Well, before I forget, I watched the new Pixar movie, um, Soul. Soul? Or Soul. Yeah, Soul. And oh my God. It was so good. I know. Don't spoil it for the people. It was really good. You need to watch it. You need Everybody to watch go see it. It. Very it, wasn't, it wasn't the norm, but it was very, very good. Which the little kids probably won't know what the fuck's going on. It'll just be funny. Right. To I was them. like, I can't, I mean, I can't personally relate to jazz uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of the whole main character thing, but yeah. it was just very sweet. It was a good movie. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, okay. I just can't. I'm just, mm, I'm going to yep. cry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Speaking of crying, I might actually get a little teary in some of these parts, but just ignore me. That'll be Lilith's turn to. Oh, fucking Jesus. I forgot she is. (laughs) I actually didn't even hear it until you said it. That's how much I zone her out. (laughs) Aw, she's just talking. She is, and she's a fucking. She's got a lot to say. She really does. Mm -hmm. She needs her own podcast. Podcast. Oh, that's Somebody what we'll call it. Get out of here. I'm going to. Podcast. Podcast. Look at okay. you. That's super cute. I haven't smoked today, so my ideas are. Fresh. Uh, I was going to say um, natural. Okay. I don't yep. know. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. They're sober thoughts, which is surprising. Sober thoughts? Oh no, it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, we should have uh, released our. What did we call that episode? Mm-hmm. Where the party episode? Absolutely not. Nope, we're never letting that see the light of day. <laughs> we, we just literally played truth or dares. What we did, or we did something. We'd and like we were very dry, serious. and it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. And whenever we did try to be funny, it just fell flat on its face. 
that's not how I felt, but that's because we were drinking. So it was funny without us trying to be funny, which is sad. Is that what we were doing, drinking? Is that the last time I drank? Lies. I think it, when was that? Oh my gosh, forever ago when we first started, like, like March, I think. Okay, yeah, that was, that was the last time I drank in March. Shut your mouth. Yeah, I haven't drank since then. That's a lie. I had a like a quarter of a twisted tea uh, a couple months ago. Tis the season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tea has been all over the news. Yeah. Anyways, going. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I, was I didn't know what the guy threw until I saw those memes. I didn't either. I thought he threw his fists, and then I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" So I had to watch the whole thing again. And I showed Jeremy, and he was like, "What the fuck?" He loves That's twisted crazy. tea. So a lot of people do. I've tasted it once, but I mean, I I remember yeah, liking. It. I don't really That's see okay. the appeal. Eh. It gives me They're heartburn. Yeah, I guess. It's just like one of those drinks where people have drank enough of whatever they're used to, so they're like, eh. Yeah, I guess Give that's it true. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I keep interrupting you. Go no, on. you're fine. You're fine. I'm We're getting off topic, but it's okay. I'm sure everyone <laughs> hates it, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so for 20 years, Sells was a transient serial killer who managed to stay under the radar as he roamed the country, killing and raping victims of all ages. During his confessions, he took on the nickname Coast to Coast, like he gave himself that nickname. When describing the murders, he had committed one month in California and the next month in Texas. Jeez. And when he was like going from California to Texas, it was like through the train, like he was like hopping trains and shit. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when the last murder that he did first happened. Like I remember everyone talking about that's how he got to Del Rio was he was hopping on the trains. That isn't actually true, but um, that's what everyone was saying because they had heard that he had been hopping trains other places. So everyone was like, and it scared the fuck out of me because I was like, oh, like what if somebody just randomly and in Comstock, there's a, a train track that goes through there like there's trains all the time and that town is exceptionally little and so i always was like someone's gonna fucking hop off that train and come kill my entire family (laughs) dude so it was really scary but um anyways so in 1998 cells hooked up with the carnival company heart of america in aransas past texas the carnival moved from town to town down highway 90 as it runs west from san antonio to the border so they ended up in Dario, Texas. And the second week there, he met Jessica Levery and her four children at the carnival. So Jessica and Sells, they fell in love, and soon he moved in with her and her family. It, the way he, like, whenever he first met her, according to the book that I read um, through the window by that lady, Diane Fanning, um, she says that... When they first met, he like asked her if they he wanted or if they wanted to go get hot chocolate and like for the kids and shit. So of course she was like, "Oh, he's he wants to include my children, including the kids." Yeah. So yeah. So then that happened. But I mean, he was he knew what he was doing. You know, like he wanted to a free place to fucking stay. I'm sure he did like her 
I'm sure you did like her. And I've met this lady multiple times. Like I know who she is and she's extremely nice. She's super nice. So I can see how she easily fell for that. So during this time, he settled into a normal home life with them. They took turns taking the kids to school. He took the boys fishing. He worked on craft projects with them and occasionally ironed their clothes for school. So for a while, with Jesco's encouragement, Sells avoided drugs and alcohol and went to work faithfully. But, of course, he became restless and this set him off onto another road trip on June 28th. So he sets off on another road trip on June 28th. And he goes north to Sonora, Texas, and then east to Beaumont. So while in northeast Texas, he accumulated two more traffic tickets that were still outstanding a year and a half later when he was arrested for his last murder. So after that, he goes back home and he's trying to hang on to the reins of a domestic existence. But it only took one family crisis to undo Jessica's good influence and set cells back on the path he had always traveled. Oh, no. 20 inches of rain fell on Del Rio in late 1998, killing 20 people, leaving hundreds homeless and caused monumental property damage. So where Cells and Jessica's family lived was in the San Felipe neighborhood, which is right along the creek. And the creek is what rose up and flooded that whole area. And that's where everyone died mainly. And that book, um, it talks about, like, it goes into detail about what happened during the flood. And it was, like, very dramatic and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he ends up saving a lady's life. Like, she's about to get swept away. And he saves her, which is really fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And there is a part about a cat in there. And I, I was like, why the fuck did you add this part in there like it was very traumatic and i'm not gonna even say it but yeah it was very sad oh no so everyone survived that and but they were displaced from their home and i i think they were put in the civic center or something at first it was like the high school gym and then they moved to the civic center but after a while, they finally found a permanent place to live in a trailer at the American Campgrounds, about 10 miles west of Del Rio, out past the lake. Mm-hmm. So soon after they settled in, Sells asked Jessica to marry him. So on October 22nd, 1998, Sells and Jessica were married in a Del Rio church. And I think it was Grace Community Church. Um, which, coincidentally, I went to daycare there when I was in elementary school. Oh, what? Was it weird? Yeah, it was. It's weird, the whole fucking thing, because I know, like, everything that they're talking about. Wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that was the the church that they went to. So, in late 1998, Sells worked for several months at Ram Country as a midline mechanic. So fun fact, my mom actually works there and she was there while he worked there. And I used to, I used to sell Girl Scout cookies to everybody in the building. So I fucking sold Girl Scout cookies to him. No. And I, my mom was like, and my mom like met him and shit. She said that he was exceptionally polite, like 
to the point where it was creepy. Like, okay, we get it. You know, like she, and she has a radar for that kind of shit. It's so weird. Yeah. Oh no. But, wow. Yeah. She said he was like exceptionally nice to where it was creepy. But, um, I was talking to my dad about it today because he was the one that would go to the back with me. Cause I would sell to the people in the front, like the salesman and the ladies in the office mm-hmm. and stuff. That was no mm-hmm. problem. But to go back to where the mechanics were in the service department, it was nothing but men back there. And so I was always scared to go. But my mom was like, you need to ask these people. No, I'm not doing it for you. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I had to go back there and ask these men. But my dad, my mom would send my dad with me. And mm-hmm. so I, that was one of the times that we sold cookies to him. My mom, my mom remembered that. But when I was talking to my dad about it today, he was like, I don't remember that. I don't remember going back there with you. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, man. I was like, don't tell me that you just sent me back there and I thought I went with you this whole time. <gasps> to, like, comfort your – your brain was comforting you? Yeah. I don't know why. He was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. Just go. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so if I met him – I was scared of all the mechanics, so I didn't – I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So – He's working at Ram Country. So the after effects of the stress from the flood bore down on the newlyweds. Again, Sells was abusing drugs and alcohol, and his working hours became erratic. To Jessica, this behavior was intolerable. Her nagging turned into mutual squabbling. The squabbling escalated to fierce fights. So what? Okay. uh, Okay. Here's what he, he says this. What Jessica forgot about was I was doing all this drinking and drugs before we met. I just tried to slow down for her. And that was one of our troubles. I should have been doing it for me. I was able to talk to Jessica. She made me feel not afraid. We'd done everything together when I was at home. Nothing was too good for each other, Sel said. Uh, On February 22nd, 1999, he left Del Rio But by March 5th, he was in Pensacola. Oh, (laughs) he left Del Rio. By March 5th, he was in Pensacola, Del Rio. Oh, my God. He came and went back and left again. Hold on. Let me drink some water. (laughs) I haven't had a Red Bull in a really long time, so I'm getting, like, overheated over here. On February 22nd, 1999, he left Del Rio. By March 5th, he was in Pensacola, Florida. After a phone call to Jessica, he was soon on his way back to Del Rio. And he got his job back at Ram Country. But on March 28th, she threw him out again, demanding to clean up before he returned. So Sells hit the road, hauling a big load of pent-up violence. Mm -mm. Um, so after being released from a county jail in Wisconsin, that's where he ended up, uh, he raced back home to Del Rio. Like, he just kept going back and forth to different places. Like, I don't know how the fuck you Hmm. can do that shit. And actually, like, because he didn't fucking really have any money. So whenever the investigators asked him, like, how the fuck did you get around to all these places? He said that he would make like $600 a day just sitting at a corner with a sign like begging for money. (gasps) Yeah. So who knows how many of the people like my uncle were out there fucking funding his killing sprees. 
Goodness. Yeah. I mean, I hope, let's hope that this is rare. A rare. Yeah. Rare. I mean, I don't think, I think this is probably the only one that I really ever heard about that was like. It's wild. Yeah. That's wild to like think about. Like, what are the odds? Yeah. Anyways. Um, so he comes back and, um, he tried to get his job back at Round Country, but that didn't happen. So he and Jessica fought and eventually, he ended up getting accused of molesting Jessica's youngest daughter and the, the sheriff's department and the CPS had to get like involved, of course, and all this stuff. Um, but the social worker told Jessica that he couldn't stay in the trailer with them anymore. And mm-hmm. when I was reading this in the book, like it says her name, it says Jessica's youngest daughter's name. And, like, it was literally, like, a light bulb went off in my head because I was friends with this girl in school. You're lying. You are not. No, like, it was, like, a memory that I forgot. Like, I just pushed to the back of my head. But um, I remembered uh, all of this stuff, like, coming out after every after the last murder that he did. I remember all of this coming out. So whenever I met her in, I think it was middle school that we met, in the sixth grade. Um, I remember thinking that in the back of my head, but I guess I just forgot, like, it just, it didn't matter anymore. So it just like moved to the back of my head, but we're not friends anymore. But, um, yeah, I was friends with her up until like our junior year. Oh my gosh. What the hell? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was really weird. So yeah. So then that happened. So Jessica ended up moving out with her kids. She moved in with her mom and, of course, Sells took off again, and he goes to Oklahoma this time. Mm-hmm. So while he's in Oklahoma, he kills Bobby Lynn Wolford in Kingsfisher, Oklahoma, on July 3rd. After that, he returned back to Del Rio. So um, once he gets back, after two rounds of interviews, they charge Sells with or, well, they were going to charge cells with molesting um, Jessica's daughter, but they ruled it unfounded. So after that, Jessica was able to move back in with cells, and she did. Wow. Yeah. So he remained at home for a few months with his family and moved, or and worked for Amigo Auto Sales. And I think that place might still be there. I don't know. So Bill Hughes, a sales sales employer, invited Sells and Jessica to go to services with him at Grace Community Church. And while at this um, service, Terry and Crystal Harris and their children were also there. And they, I don't know if they met them, but they definitely were there at the same time they were. So this is where it changes over to the last murder and what happened. So when Terry Harris needed a new vehicle, he wanted to go to a dealership he could trust. He chose Amigo Auto Sales because he knew Bill Hughes owned it. And the salesman who assisted him was Sells. So one evening... Sells showed up at the Harris home and Terry invited him inside. Crystal... Terry's wife took one look at the scruffy hair and his beard and the tattoos and uneasiness swept over her. 
but she scolded herself for this unchristian attitude of judging an individual by his appearance. Um, so curiosity compelled her to join the men in the living room and listen in on the conversation. Uh, Sells admitted that he had been in prison. He said he had an alcohol problem and it was tearing his marriage apart. He confessed that he didn't know what to do to save his relationship with Jessica. He said, Terry, you're so lucky. You have such a good family. Your children listen. You have a nice wife and a nice home. So Terry listened and offered what advice he could. While the two talked, the children, uh, Terry and uh, Crystal's children, which I think there was three of them, uh, they like milled about the house in their typical fashion. Oh, there was four. Um, and they would like cross the living room from time to time, but <clears throat> they weren't, I mean, they're kids. They're not going to pay attention to what the fuck's going on with their parents. Like they're just walking around. Mm hmm yeah um so but down the hall in their bedroom katie harris which was the oldest daughter of crystal and terry confided to her younger sister it's the only other sister um that she didn't like the way that cells was looking at her so Lori urged her to tell their parents but katie didn't want her parents to worry she basically didn't want her dad to find out and then tried to beat this man to death. Yeah. So oh, she didn't say anything. Lori never repeated that conversation to anyone while Katie was still alive. Wow. So around 6 p.m. on December 30th, 1999, Terry Harris and his son, Sean Harris, along with Doug Luker and his two sons, traveled to Kansas to help a family friend, Pam Searles, pack and move to Del Rio. And Terry and Crystal were originally from Kansas as well. Like, this is how they knew Pam. And um, so, yeah, they were going to go help her move down to Del Rio. So Terry left Crystal and the kids and the Searles children there at the house in Del Rio. Hmm. And their house actually is, I, I don't it's past the lake. I don't know how many miles that is. And it was in a little, it was literally in the middle of nowhere. Like it's, you can see the lake from the road. Like there, it's right off the highway. Um, it's in a subdivision called Guajia Bay. But the house, they're, they're mainly trailers, but they're like separated by like miles. Like there's a, there's a huge gap between each house. Mm. So, um, and their house is actually right in the front. And hmm. you can see it as you're driving. Like, I see it every single time that I'm driving uh, from Delaware to Comstock. Wow. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So, he leaves them there, whatever. And so, before heading out, they, Terry and the boys, stopped at a Pico convenience store next to Ram Country. And Terry runs into cells. And he speaks to him briefly. So according to Sells, Harris said that when he returned from Kansas, he would repay the $5,000 drug debt that he owed Sells. But no corroborating evidence has surfaced to support this allegation. Hmm. So at 10 p.m. on December 30th, to escape a fight that ensued with Jessica, Sells took refuge at Larry's Lakefront Tavern. He drank until 2 a.m. when the bar closed. 
And this whole time, of course, she's being like creepy and disgusting and like flirting with the bartender that's a lady and all this shit. Like he was literally, he wasn't even flirting. Like he was straight up like, let's go have sex. Like I'll pay you to go have sex with me. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, wow. fuck out of my face. Mm-hmm. So, so once the bar closed, he headed home, but he decided to stop and eat before he went home. So while he's eating, which is their house was, I think the American campgrounds is before Wahia Bay. I think it is. I think it's right before the lake starts. And Wahia Bay is right after the lake ends. So um, he, so he's like basically down the highway from them. But he decides to stop and eat. And while he's eating, he thinks about Terry and... He's like, Terry had been fucking with him about paying the debt. And so he decided to go down to Terry's house and do something about it. Wow. So on his way, he stopped at his trailer and picked up one of his long bladed knives and some more beer. Hmm. And Jessica had no idea. I mean, it was like three in the morning by this point. So Jessica had no idea what was going on. Because I think he was outside. He didn't ever go inside. So... But he was in Jessica's van. And I think that was the only, like, vehicle they had. So <clears throat> he grabbed the van, or he got back in the van, he drove to um, Terry's house. And after curving left and right, the road dips. And I think the roads were, um, or still are, uh, gravel. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, like, really, like, in between each house, it's, like, cactus and shit and shrubs and all of that. (laughs) So the road dipped um, before he headed up to the house on the hill. The house is like sitting up on a hill and where he parked was down the hill. So he parks the van and he goes the rest of the way on foot. So by this time it's 4.30 a.m. He tried to trip the lock on the back door with his knife blade, but it didn't work. So then the family dog started barking in his pen and they had like other crazy shit there. I think they had like an alligator. I don't remember. They had like weird shit. So their dog, it was a Rottweiler. Um, He goes up to the dog and because he had already met the dog from one of the previous visits, he just put his hand up to the dog and the dog recognized the smell and he like patted him and silenced him a little bit. What the fuck? Yeah. So then um, he goes around the house and he tries a window, but he tries a window, but it didn't open. Uh, So then he moves around to the front of the house and the window of 14 year old Justin Harris's room was raised because it was, I mean, most of the time, or I guess back then it wasn't that scary to leave your fucking window open in the middle of the night. And especially when you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. True. So the window was raised and I mean, it is, it was in December, but it was, I mean, it doesn't get very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. So yeah. So cells removed the screen and he made his way inside. Justin, who is blind from birth, thought that one of the girls was messing with him again and said, will you all stop coming in my room? And then he went back to sleep. <gasps> Yeah, because, I mean, they were basically having a sleepover, so the girls had been, like, fucking around earlier in the night. 
And they had oh, all been trying to figure out where they where they were going to sleep. And whoa. yeah, so Justin slept in his room and Crystal and Lori slept together in Crystal's room, which is the mom and the youngest daughter. And then um, one of the Searles girls, I think there was only two. I think it was Crystal, and I don't remember what the other little girl's name is. But she, those youngest uh, sister, she slept in a room by herself. And then it was Katie and Crystal. They slept on bunk beds in Katie's room. So... I think there might have been two more kids. I'm not entirely sure, or at least one more kid, but I I don't ever – it didn't say where that other kid was sleeping. Yeah. But either way, there was six people in that house, mm-hmm. six other people besides Katie and Crystal. So anyway, so he um, – Sells walks into the next room using his lighter as a light. Okay, here we go. Seven-year-old Marquis – I think it's Marquis or Mark – Searles was sleeping on the bed. That's the that's the little girl. She or Sells stares at her for a moment and then turns away. She's seven. Aww. Like she's I just Yeah. So he walks down the hall to the under other end of the trailer and using his lighter again, he sees Crystal Harris and Lori Harris fast asleep. He touched Crystal's leg, but she didn't move. I would have freaking woke up the second he came into the house. Right? Like, oh, God. Oh, hell no. You know what? It's so calm and quiet out there living out in the middle of wherever that they just. Yeah, there's no worry in the world. Yes. My mom, my mom, we lived in a trailer too. And my mom never heard. I would like bring dudes over. Like they'd sneak them in through my window and that she never heard shit episode i mean she knows but yeah it's strange i don't know i i mean i used to be so scared when i would be sneaking around at night because my dad was such a light sleeper well i think both of them my mom had a habit of like getting up so she would like check on us on her way to getting water or whatever there was just never an opportune moment where i could feel at ease just moving about the house at night like right i don't i don't know how i did that shit like what's going on what are you doing do you need something (laughs) do you need something that's the purple dress (laughs) i'm like like, the front door no i'm just going you know was gonna stretch my leg Uh, um so yeah i don't know how the fuck i mean she must have been like yes and i feel like he barely like touched it with his fingertips you know either way i would have been like what the fuck is that like i feel shit when i'm sleeping in my head now yeah somebody could just look at me while i'm asleep and i'll wake the fuck up instantly because i just have anxiety like that yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm freaking myself out I know, right? Anyways. Um, so, okay. So then he leaves that room and he ends up going to Katie's room. And on the top bunk is 10-year-old Crystal. And he doesn't see her. Mind you, the bunk beds, like, they show a video, uh, like, the next day or, uh, like, three, four days later. They have him, the investigators have him going through the house to explain what he did and like where he did it and all this stuff. And so they go into the room and the bunk beds are literally directly in front. Like you open the door and the bunk beds are right there. 
day. So I don't know how he didn't see her. This motherfucker's tall, so I don't know how he didn't see her. But he didn't see her, and um, he only saw Katie on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Katie's thirteen. I guess I didn't say that earlier. And um, he like crouches down to her, and he like whispers in her ear, like "Wake up!" And mm-hmm. by this point, um. I think Crystal has like woken up uh, like a little bit. Like she, but she woke up like quietly. Yeah. And she sees this man like over, uh, and it's dark in there. So I don't have by some, I guess with the door being open, she heard, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she saw him. She saw uh, cells like leaning over Katie. Mm-hmm. So he lays down next to her and he like is holding like her throat and like his hand over her mouth and she mm-hmm. asking him like what the fuck are you doing and he doesn't respond but he slices her shorts and her panties off <gasps> and if at first it wasn't like um like people didn't or the investigators didn't really know if she had been like molested or anything or like raped but later he yeah. confesses that he molested her. But um, yeah, so he does that. And then he, after he does that, she like scrambles out of his grasp and she like gets up and he grabs her again and he puts the knife up to her neck. And um, she's like yelling to to go get her mom. Like she's talking to Crystal, but he doesn't know that yet. <gasps> Yeah, he doesn't know that yet. So she's trying to get to the door and he blocks the door. And then he's like holding on to her. He like has his hand over her mouth and the knife is still to her throat. And he, by this point, I guess the moonlight is coming in from the window. But by this point, Crystal, she sees Katie like looking directly at her, like their eyes lock. And he slices Katie's throat. He does it three times. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then she falls to the ground. And and uh, Crystal is, like, trying to not scream. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he, she's trying not to scream. Well, then Sells walks over to the light. I don't know why. He, turn, he turns the light on, I guess, just to see if Crystal or if Katie was really dead. But he turns the light on. And when he turns the light on, he sees Crystal. Crystal on the top bunk. No, no. And she's like, I'm she's like ready to like jump away. And she like does back away from him. And he walks over to her and he she's like telling him, like begging him, like, don't fucking hurt me, don't hurt me. I won't say anything. Like, I'm like, just don't hurt me. And she has her hands like covering her face and her body. And uh, he tells her, he doesn't say anything. Like, he has this dead look in his eyes, and he doesn't say anything but move your hands. And she... Like when you're about to get spanked. Yeah, exactly. Holy fuck. (laughs) So that is literally, that is a really good... I mean, granted, it's nothing. The fear is nothing compared, but it's pretty close. (laughs) I know, I was just saying that quote is, could be for that. But anyway. Yeah, you brought back some memories. 
Okay, yes. that's it. Your hand. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> I only got spanked like very little bit, but my brother got spanked. I always got spanked, but <laughs> a lot of good that did. But so she doesn't move uh, her hands. So he pushes her hands aside. And he slices her windpipe. Jesus. Yeah, he. I think he cuts her twice. Or no, it's once. He cuts her once and it starts like at the base of her neck and it goes all the way up. Like he nicks her carotid artery. Oh no. He nicks it. Like he barely gets yeah. it. And um, she literally lays there in silence. <gasps> like she doesn't move she doesn't scream she plays dead oh no. oh my god yeah so he assumes that she's dead so he turns the light off and he shuts the, he walks out and shuts the door so she's laying there in a pool of her blood like she's just she's doesn't know what to do next she's like trying to figure out what she's gonna do next and she hears and but while she's laying there she like thinks everybody else in the house is dead. So she hears the uh, vehicle start and drive away. And she like gets, she manages to get herself out of the, off of the bed and she's in the top bunk. Like she has to like fucking fall to the ground. Yeah. Oh man. So she's like trying and it's dark still. So she's like trying to find the door to get around the bunk beds, but she sees Katie laying on the ground and she, and the whole time. Okay. Get ready for this. So if you, I guess I've said some fucked up shit earlier, but this part is really fucked up, but, um, or I guess it's just fucked up because I know her. So, yeah. Um, but, so Crystal lays down next to her and she can hear the whole time she had been laying there in that bed. She could hear um, Katie like gurgling and like trying to breathe. And she obviously couldn't. And it was, I just pictured it like in my head, like her, like the blood just blurting out of her throat. But so she goes, she lays next to her and she's still crystal. I mean, Katie is still making those noises and she like lays next to her, like, and Katie's on her side. So she is like rubbing her back, like trying to tell her it's going to be okay, but clearly it's not going to be okay. And at this point she's, uh, she's trying to tell Katie, like she's trying to physically say like, it's going to be okay. And that's when she realizes, huh? Her windpipe. Yeah, that's when she realizes she can't talk. He had also cut her vocal cords. Mm. So she lays there for a little bit with Katie. Um, I am not 100% sure if she lays there until she's she doesn't make any noise anymore or what. But she eventually gets up. And because she thought that everyone else in the house was dead, she leaves the house. Oh, my God. And so. Yeah. And she walks a quarter mile down the road from the Harris's house. And 
This is what I'm saying. Like the houses are far apart. So she has to walk in the middle of Monte. Like, I guess, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is the English word for that? Uh, the boonies. Sure. But there's like snakes and like tarantulas and scorpions and all kinds of other shit. Like there's a bunch of things in the night that could have been terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Either way, so she's in plaid boxers and a t-shirt and socks, and that's it. And she is just stumbling down the road and holding her throat. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's no street lights. There's nothing. And she's trying to find her way through this winding-ass road. And sh- there was a trailer that was near the nearest one to them, but... Um, Earlier, I guess earlier that day or the days before, Terry had told the kids not to go over there because him and that neighbor weren't, like, friendly anymore. Mm. So she had already stepped onto the porch and she remembers this. And she turns the fuck around and she keeps going down the road. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) I would have been like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go to the door. They're going to help me. They're going to let me use their phone, something, anything. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm sure she was like, there was adrenaline rush and shock and all kinds of shit going through. So, of course, her brain yeah. is still trying to do the normal things that it does, but still. Mm-hmm. So, so she goes down the road and she, it's a quarter mile already. And so she ends up at um, Herb Betts' house. And she rings the doorbell and she fucking waits. (laughs) And they're older. They were an older couple. So her finally comes to the door and he asks who's there. But obviously she can't say anything. So she just starts beating on the door. And I mean, most of the time people like look through the window or they like look through a peephole or some shit. But he just kept asking who the fuck was there. Like... (laughs) Oh no. And because the pounding was still happening, he like was like, fuck, I'm just gonna open the door, which is terrifying. But he opens the door and then he sees her like covered in blood and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Yeah. So he like frantically is like, holy shit. And he like wakes up his wife and because by now I think it's five in the morning. And he calls 911 while his wife gets a pen and paper for Crystal to communicate. Mm-hmm. So oh, wow. Um, they lay her down on the kitchen floor and later Crystal says that she was worried she would get blood on their nice carpet. Crystal. <laughs> this girl's took a light. So they they sit with her and they help her with the pen and the paper and she writes, the Harrises are hurt. And like all the while, Herb's on the phone. And um the wife, her name's Marlene. She asked Kate or Crystal where she lives, and Crystal wrote Kansas because that's where she lived. Mm. And so they asked her, "Who did this to you?" And she wrote, "This guy." And um, by this point, Herb is already hung up the phone, calling nine one one the first time, and now nine one one has called back, or the dispatch has called back to ask mm-hmm. for clearer directions because once again, it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So when this happens, Crystal writes, tell them to hurry. Oh, man. Yeah. So 
it, I don't know how long it took, but in the book they talk about that happening and then the cops finally show up, but they pass the house. God damn it. Yeah. And at first they couldn't even find the house to begin with, like uh, from the highway. And then they couldn't, yeah. they passed it and they had to like turn around and all kinds of shit. It was just stupid. Damn. Yeah. So then finally they take her to the hospital and she gets airlifted to University Hospital in San Antonio, which is three hours away. Mm-hmm. So back at the Harris home, deputies Manuel Pena and Ramiro Reyes and their backup officers, Fred Knoll and Charles Saints, enter the house. Within mm-hmm. seconds, Crystal Harris and Lori emerge from the room confused. She still has oh, no idea God. what the fuck is happening. I can't imagine. So the deputies ask if everyone is okay and if anyone is on the east side of the house. Crystal answers, my other daughter's in her room. What's going on? I wonder if she thought, like, somebody snuck out. Like, I don't I don't wonder if that's what she was thinking. Yeah, like somebody's in trouble. Yeah. So more, then. More than what happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, she wasn't thinking. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. Deputies Peña Reyes and Officer Saints searched the house while Officer Noel attempted to calm Crystal. So they get to the bedroom and Deputy Peña turns the light on and they find Katie sprawled on the floor. And she was nude from the waist down and the cut on her neck gaped and her windpipe stuck out obscenely. And her pink shorts and panties lay on the floor by the door. So they go over to see if she's alive. I mean, they know that she's not, but they check her pulse anyways and nothing. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's where I ended that. Oh, I think I think I started to get teary-eyed. So I was like, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so Crystal survives the attack and she and mind you, she's 10 years old. She got her throat slit, and so they do like these surgeries on her or whatever, and Immediately after she gets out of surgery, she's ready to talk to the detectives. Like, she wants to tell them everything. And so she, um, they do a sketch, like, a, what is it called? A, like, a, a sus- sketch of the suspect yes, or something? Yeah, I don't remember what it's called, but yes. So they do that and they show, or at this point, her. I don't, I think, I don't know if they reached Kansas or not. I don't remember. But they, Terry and the boys, and I think her mom as well, they all, well, yeah, obviously her mom had to come. But yeah, they all turn around and they go back to, or to San Antonio. And uh, so everyone's there with her, whatever. Well, they ask Terry if he recognized who the picture was. And I mean, it wasn't exactly like, it didn't look exactly like um, cells, but he said the only person he could think of when he saw it, the only person he could think of that looked like that, which was like scraggly ass hair with a scraggly ass beard Mm -hmm. um, was cells. So they, with that, they show crystal a photo pack and she picks him out instantly. Yeah. So she testifies in the trial and Sells confesses to killing Katie Harris and attacking Crystal. So then he goes to the residence with the police and he, they videotape the whole reenactment of the crime. God damn it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it aligns with Crystal's account. So 
the, this confession was only the beginning, however. So whenever they caught him, they caught him or they go to the trailer, his trailer on June 2nd. And they have to like stake out the place because the first time they go, I think he's not there. So they stake out the place and he was at his neighbor's house like getting fucked up. What? Yeah. Just like nothing? Like nothing happened? Yeah, basically. So they have to wait for him to come back. And when they do, they get in there and they get him. And they arrest him. Yeah. And he knows instantly like what's happening. But whenever they're taking him away, he like says something about like, oh, I, I didn't know that she was still alive or something. The investigator was like, okay, well, I mean, you know your rights. Like if you, whatever the fuck you say, we can use or whatever. And he's like, that's fine. So then he's like, okay, well, I have a lot more to talk about. Like, this isn't, we have a lot of things to talk about now. And then I was like, holy fuck, like, what are you talking about? So based on Cell's confessions throughout the years, the following timeline can be pieced together, though not all of his claims have been proven. This is a long ass timeline, so buckle up. July 5th, 1979, Port Gibson, Mississippi, uh, shot with a 22 caliber revolver, John Cade, 39. Mm-hmm. Um, unspecified date in 1982, Little Rock, Arkansas, shot but survived Hal Atkins. Some of these we talked about earlier, but um, July yeah. 31st, 1983, St. Louis, Missouri, bludgeoned Colleen, 33, and Tiffany Gill, 4. July 26, 1985, Springfield, Missouri, slashed their throats and bludgeoned with a baseball bat, Ina, 28, and Rory Cord, 4. Uh In 1987, there's three. Okay, so 1987, May 1st, Lockport, New Jersey. Her body was found September 5th, 1995, Suzanne Corks, 27. Oh, yeah, we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, October 15th, Lovelock, Nevada, strangled. Her body was never found. Stephanie Strau, 20. November 17th through the 18th, Ina, Illinois, the Darden family. The father shot three times in the head and cut off his penis. Keith Darden, 29. He was only 29. <gasps> uh, the son bludgeoned with a baseball bat. Peter Darden, 3. Uh, daughter bludgeon with a baseball bat Casey Darden that was the baby and then the mother rape mutilated her breasts then fatally bludgeoned her with a baseball bat violating with a baseball bat post-mortem Elaine Darden 30 awful uh, December 1998 Tucson Arizona he kills Ken Lawton over a bad drug deal uh, December through January 1988 Salt Lake City, Utah, murders an unknown woman and her three-year-old son, disposes of their bodies in the Snake River in Idaho. What the fuck? What is with the women and the little kids? Like, Yeah, that's what I was noticing. Like, It's either like a single mom situation or like they were just home, her and the kids. Yeah, it's fucking weird. January 1988, Ina, Illinois. After murdering the Darden family, he's arrested for stealing a car and he takes off before his scheduled court appearance. January 1988, Lawrence, 
Massachusetts. He raped and stabbed, and then he raped and stabbed Melissa Trimbley 11, and then she gets run over by a train post-mortem, and her body was found the next day. Like, that's the only reason her body was found, because he left her on a train track. She was 11. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, January 27th, 1983, Truckee, California. I hope that's how you say it. He kills an unnamed sex worker and disposes of her body. An unidentified woman's body was found at the location he gave police. April 1989, Roseburg, Oregon. He kills an unnamed woman in her 20s. May 9th, 1989, in Roseburg as well. He kills a female hitchhiker, and then he's arrested for stealing from his employer, spending 15 days in jail. He killed two people in that city, and he gets arrested for stealing from his employer instead. Yeah, that's wild. So August 16th, 1989, North Little Rock, Arkansas, Kansas, (laughs) he's arrested on theft charges. And then October 18th, 1989, Oakland, California, he's charged with public intoxication and put into detox. Uh, November 1989, Carson City, Nevada, is charged with public drunkenness. And then December 1989, Phoenix, Arizona, he's hospitalized for a heroin overdose. Mm -hmm. Then January 7th, 1990, Salt Lake City, Utah, he's arrested on charges of cocaine possession, but released after police determined that he was not in possession of drugs. The fuck? January 12th, 1990, Rawlings, Wyoming, is arrested and sent to prison for auto theft, released in January 1991. Wow. And so he's released in January 1991, and then in December 1991 in Mariana, Florida, he bludgeoned with a wooden table leg Teresa Hall, 25, and her five-year-old daughter. Oh, my gosh. Um, March through April, April 1992, Charleston, South Carolina, he's arrested for public drunkenness again. May 13th, 1992, Charleston, West Virginia, is imprisoned for raping, beating with a piano stool, and stabbing 18 times a 20-year-old Fabian Witherspoon, who survived the attack. And he's sentenced to two 10-year prison terms and released in May 1997. What the fuck? Okay. October 13th, 1997, Lawrenceville, Illinois. He attacks Julie Ray Harper and stabs her 10-year-old son, Joel Kirkpatrick, to death. October 1997, Springfield, Missouri. He kidnaps, rapes, drugs, and strangles to death 13-year-old Stephanie May Mahaney. Her body was found November 18th. October 1998, Del Rio, Texas, marries a woman with three children. The couple separated for two weeks in February 1999 and again in late March. That's Jessica. Mm -hmm. Um, April 4th, 1999, Gibson, Tennessee. He rapes and murders Debbie Harris, 28. He left the knife in her chest postmortem and stabs Abrea Harris, who's eight, three times. Mm-mm. April 18th, 1999, San Antonio, Texas. He abducted, raped, and strangled with her t-shirt 
um, Mary Perez, who was nine, and her body was found 10 days later. Mm. In May 13th, 1999, Lexington, Kentucky, he abducted, raped, and strangled her with a T-shirt as well and covered her body with debris post-mortem. Haley McHoney, 13. And then he sold her bicycle for $20. What the? Yeah, and her body was found 10 days later. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe he, he strangled these little girls with their own fucking T-shirts. Yeah, awful. So just outside in the mid, like the I don't know. Well, the little girl in San Antonio, I skimmed a little bit through what happened, but he, she, I because if they're not found for days later, he either kidnaps them or they're already outside playing, and he just goes and kills. Well, that one had to do with Fiesta in San Antonio. I don't know if he met her mom there or if he found her there. I don't remember. But it had to do with Fiesta and large crowd and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mid-May through June 24th, 1999 in Madison, Wisconsin, he's jailed for drunken disorderly conduct. July 3rd, 1999, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, forced to perform oral sex with him or on him, sodomized and shot in the head and took two of her earrings and, or it was Bobby Lynn Wolford, she was 14, and her remains were found on November 4th. Oh, man. And then December 31st, 1999, Darrow, Texas, sexually assaults and murdered Katie Harris, 13, and attempts to murder Crystal Searles, 10. And this was his final murder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so on September- I don't think he would have gotten away because he was married to Jessica, and who else could have done it, right? Do you think he would have gotten away if Crystal hadn't survived? Um, I think so. Damn, because he was just going. He would travel far. Yeah, he would go away to after. different states after, and yeah. Dang. Okay, go on. So on September eighteenth, two thousand, Sells pleaded guilty and was convicted of the capital murder of Katie Harris and attempted murder of Crystal Searles, and he was sentenced to death. On September 17, 2003, Sells was indicted but never tried for the 1997 Greene County, Missouri murder of Stephanie Mahaney. That same year, Sells pleaded guilty to strangling uh, nine-year-old Mary Bettes of San Antonio, for which he received a life sentence. So Sells was executed by lethal injection in the Allen B. Polunsky unit near West Livingston, Texas on April 3rd, 2014 at 6.27 p.m. Central Time. He declined to make a final statement. Did you know that they do not give, in Texas, they don't give a final meal. Like, you don't get to request what you want to eat for your last meal. What? Yeah. Only in Texas? I think it's only in Texas. Or at least Texas is one of the places that does that. But yeah, they don't do that anymore. They get to eat the rest Good. of the shit that everyone else eats. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he refuses to make a last statement, and the drugs begin to flow. Sells took a few breaths, his eyes closed, and he began to snore. In less than a minute, he stopped moving and was pronounced dead at 6.27 p.m., just 13 minutes after the drug began to flow. Uh, Terry Harris said the injection was way more gentle than what Sells gave out. Basically, the dude just took a nap, he said. 
Um, the Supreme Court earlier in the day declined to halt the execution of cells. Um, oh, the execution as cells attorneys tried to obtain more information from the Texas Department of Criminal Justice about the supplier of the new drug stock. Uh, TDCJ officially argued that the pharmacy must be kept secret to protect it from threats of violence. Lawyers mm-hmm. for Cells contended they needed to know the name of the pharmacy in order to verify the drug's quality and to protect Cells from unconstitutional pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. My sister didn't get the constitutional pain and suffering, said Sean Harris, the victim's brother, adding that Cells' punishment was pretty easy compared to what his siblings suffered. Being stabbed 16 times and having her neck repeatedly slit. Oh, yeah. I forgot to add that part. She was stabbed 16 times? Yeah. He slit her throat and then he stabbed her 16 times, like, all over her body. Awful. Yeah. And then having her neck repeatedly slit, Sean said that it didn't matter that Cells never made a final statement. The family had closure. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So, as I was reading the book, they talk about Katie's autopsy and it was performed by medical examiner dr g and she had a show on id channel that i was obsessed with like i think it's on amazon prime now and i fucking love it like i watch it all the time Mm -hmm. but she also did kaylee anthony's autopsy oh my god yeah big one i thought that was kind of cool i guess but yeah so yeah that was tommy lynn sells oh my disgusting vile creature mm-hmm. and um i am friends with uh katie's sister Lori on facebook because i went to school with them like i went i was just in kindergarten with them but i remember playing with them and mm-hmm. yeah but uh at the time that this happened i was 10 or i was about to be 10 so it was like really fucking terrifying I mean, you, that's the the primo age. Yeah. In between the oh my gosh, that's so scary. Yeah. I was ten, and that was how old Crystal was. So it was just, and then we knew them, and it was just crazy. But um, I'm friends with Lori on Facebook, and she named her first daughter after her sister. Aww. Yeah made me cry and she talks about she posts every year on katie's birthday uh, happy birthday to her and um she'll post pictures of her and stuff and terry actually wasn't their biological dad he was their stepdad but i mean they considered him their dad he adopted them so he they considered him their dad and he died i think like two years ago maybe Yeah. And Lori just got married recently and she had like, uh, I think it was part of her bouquet, two little pictures, one of her dad and one of her sister on it. Oh my gosh. That's sweet. Yeah. But yeah, that was that. Oh my gosh. That was a wild ride. Jeez. He got away so many times just by leaving town. And I mean, a lot of times they bring up how like they have a target victim Mm -hmm. to where they won't be like looked into or discovered or but these people just all seem like regular people that had a house and a home and like a job and yeah, nobody they were just thought being nice. into it. Like what is the DNA evidence looking like? That kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know how that didn't when did investigated, I guess. Well, I mean, even fingerprints, like he's gotten, he know. got arrested for other shit. Like, oh, but I guess it was in different states. 
And, oh, I get, okay, yeah, you're right, because then they don't talk to each other. Yeah. The police department. Yeah. I mean, now they I don't think, think it's a cross-country serial killer. Yeah. Wow. I think now fingerprints are, like, a national thing, but I don't think they were before. That's interesting. Jeez, yeah. Well, very sad, but I'm glad that um, the family feels that there's closure. I don't know if that's common with a lot of these kinds of things when I don't know if they're ever put to death and they feel closure after that. Yeah, usually they don't, but they they did good. Um, I have a screenshot of whenever they posted on Facebook that he that he had been put to death Mm -hmm. finally. So I'll post that on Instagram, but Okay. Um, yeah, they all went down there to it was in Huntsville, but they all went down there and they Did they get to watch him die? Do they still do that where there's like an audience I'm not in the sure. room? I think maybe. I think so because if the reporter that I was reading that thing from knew how he died, like what he did when he died, then that was really Yeah. Fun. They get their final moments documented. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and my sources were Through the Window by Diane Fanning. Thoughtco.com and Murderpedia.com. Nice, nice. Oh, and I can't believe that you knew them. Yeah, I. It's. What made you do it now? Huh? You've been sitting on this. You've been sitting on this serial killer then all year. I debated on whether I wanted to talk about it or not, and I didn't want to do like. I don't know. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I hope that this. I mean, I got a little graphic in there. I didn't know about that either. But Mm -hmm. yeah, whenever I was first doing it, like I was writing everything out, I like cried hysterically. But because that book Uh was intense, like it goes into detail. Jeez. Yeah. So that was really sad. Interesting. And I guess, like you said, being familiar with the place and the people and stuff, it makes it a lot different yeah. than just watching some random. Like, I mean, it's it's always a human being that you're like sad that they lost their life, mm-hmm. but it's kind of different. Yeah, whenever it's somebody you know. And I, Crystal has a Facebook, and it's private, but um, you can, or I think one of the her profile pictures. It's been like a couple years since the last time I saw it, um, but. Y- she, you can't even see her scar anymore. Wow. It's not in the picture, but yeah, it's it's faded pretty well. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, and her and Lori still talk, or they, I get, I don't think they talk all the time, but you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, um, before we go, what would your last meal be? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. I thought of that shit, too, whenever I was like, they don't do. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I would probably want, like, a feast, a small feast of different things. So would I. I think that's what they do, though. Like, there's – I've read some that do, like, fucking fried chicken and pizza and some other bullshit. Yeah, I would want, like, lobster tail – Dance shrimp, a steak, and I don't know, some cake. I don't know, like a whole thing, like dessert and everything. Yeah. Ooh, chile relleno. Oh my god. My mom made some the other day and I was jealous because my dad my brother put it on Snapchat and I was like, 
<laughs> oh shit. Is she gonna send you some in the mail? Right. Freeze it. How do they do that? They freeze it and then they have a certain way that they can ship yeah there you go just do that oh my god that would be amazing um anyways that was a pretty gruesome series of murders from that guy and i can't wait to hear what everybody has to say about it and um trying to tie it into the new year somehow but i don't oh yeah and that's also why i did it because it happened december 31st and we're about to be there oh so what anniversary what year did this happen Uh, 1990 or well i guess it was yeah 1998 or 1999 oh geez so it's gonna be like the 20 something 20 20th if it's 99 and then we're at 2020 into 2021 first this year it's gonna be the 21st anniversary oh jeez wow i feel super fucking old crystal was 10 she survived i can't believe Mm -hmm. that and uh i hope that she's healed from all that pain and trauma that she uh endured because that's wild that she walked that far with a bleeding uh vein in her neck that's insane what a brave girl well now she's a young woman and i'm happy that she survived and has her own family and stuff now. Uh, everybody out there can go look up this story. What was the book called? Through the Window? Yes, Through the Window. Interesting. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We will be entering the new year with this episode. So uh, give us a follow. Give us a like. Check out our Instagram and our Twitter at Give Me the Creeps. And don't forget to send us some DMs if you have any interesting stories that you'd like to share with us. Thanks, guys. So, did we give you the creeps? <laughs>